This is Kyle Cord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and... That's Austin Nace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, B. John Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A skip arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Gotta continue. I got got Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies to Kirk Street and Adam Time will get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. I think it's appropriate that we're starting to talk about the ACC. Uh, tonight because there's some news that just broke this week where Devontae Walker was denied his transfer request for immediate eligibility by the NCAA, given that he played, quote-unquote, played a year at – is it North, it's a North Carolina JUCO. Yeah. That they didn't even have their season because of COVID. He transfers to Kent State, plays his two years at Kent State, transfers to North Carolina, they say, oh, oh you're, this is not your first time transferring. I don't know what the NCAA – like I haven't heard – anytime you hear from the NCAA, it's not for a good reason, and this is no exception. Um, I have to believe, Austin, that we're going to see a waiver granted or an appeal overturned and that he is going to be able to play – this season because I mean just in the sense of equity it doesn't seem fair that he didn't play that 2020 season and now they're holding him accountable for you know under the transfer rules for that reason you want to talk about equity I think the even grosser point here is that they the NCAA actually approved this waiver to start off with and then a week or two later they came out with that new policy which I'm actually okay with the policy that if you want to have all these different kind of, you know, mechanisms there that you, it makes it a little more difficult to transfer that second time. I'm fine with that. But they granted his waiver, came out with new rules that said, we're going to make it more difficult. We're going to limit the amount of reasons that we'll give you for a waiver. And then they revoked the waiver that they gave him. That's, 
if you're transferring because you, you you're doing something because you believe the law is at one thing and they change it after the fact, it's been a few years since I was in law school. I don't remember what the name for that is, but you, you can't do that. Like I'm, I'm just shocked that they, they went ahead and, and thought that was, okay that's what it's called. It's called the, you can't do that rule. That's exactly what Thank I, you. I knew it was something. That's like exactly that. what it's called. Um, I think that he's going to see the field this year. It just doesn't make sense. I've got a lot of Devontae Walker. I think a lot of our audience, you've been listening to us since February, January. We've kind of elevated him here. Nate Marquise actually interviewed uh, Devontae. That interview is available on our YouTube page. Uh, we think he's, you know, a Christian Watson type player. And without Josh Downs, Drake May is going to need a number one wide receiver. Regardless of all that, I think that he is going to be on the field um, come week one. We are covering the ACC today, and Austin and I were actually talking before uh, the show started, before we started recording, is to what extent does the audience want to hear this information kind of regurgitated more than once? Because we've got six different podcasts on the platform um, and at this time of year, everyone starts to do conference previews. Now, I think that there is some value in the audience hearing our individual opinions on players. But let us know uh, at Campus to Canton on Twitter, or you can hit the Gmail at Campus to Canton at Gmail, and let us know what you think about the conference previews. And does it is it duplicative, or do you like hearing uh, our opinions? Or leave us, as a matter of fact, leave us a five star rate and review with your thoughts on that, and we'll read some of the comments next week. The way we've kind of been doing conference previews is instead of going team by team, going positions within that conference. So we'll start here with the quarterback position. And, uh, of course, the the class of the conference is, is Drake May at North Carolina. But after that, Cade Klubnick is at Clemson, and he has a new offensive coordinator um, Austin, I think I may want to start there. I think we have the expectation that um, Garrett Riley is going to be able to bring this Clemson offense into the modern era, something uh, that they have been unable to do since Deshaun Watson left, since Trevor, uh, Trevor Lawrence left. Um, but we expect Garrett Riley to, you know, make Cade Klubnick and these pass-catching weapons make them productive in 2023. I agree, and I think there is a slight misconception about Garrett Riley's offenses in the past. Um, I, I think it, it, it's because how – basically, it seemed like every time you watch a TCU game, they really wanted to get Quentin Johnson open deep last year. And so I think they've he's developed this reputation as a, a offensive coordinator that wants to push the ball vertically at, at every opportunity – Riley actually is not that that is not what he likes to do the past couple seasons uh, Max Duggan's uh, a dot last year was actually I believe the second lowest of his career and when he worked with Tanner Mordecai the year before that it was Mordecai's lowest of his career by actually like a yard or two like a, a significant difference this is a an offense that is kind of tailor-made for what Kate Klubnick can do because he does like he probably has one of those borderline NFL arms it's not amazing it's not terrible but he's accurate I think if you get him in rhythm and throwing on time, that's where he can excel. And so I think Garrett Riley's offense actually fits very well with Kate, what Kate Klubnick can do. And I think it actually fits very well with some of the best weapons on this team who are probably Antonio Williams in the slot. I do expect to see a little more Jake Brenningstool at tight end this year as kind of a big slot guy for them. And then Will Shipley as well. I think, you know, then you've got the ancillary guys on the outside. But I do think 
that those guys actually fit this offense pretty well because they're kind of the possession guys on the team. Well, if you want to use a Quentin Johnston type bodies, you got Adam Randall on the outside, you got Bo Collins on the outside, two six foot three plus trees ish. Um, so good diversity of weapons there uh, at Clemson. Will Taylor no longer playing football, unfortunately for me. One of my deep, deep uh, picks. Um, I don't know where else do we go around this conference. I think at Wake Forest we expect Mitch Griffiths to continue with the slow mesh. I don't know that there's we need a whole lot of analysis there as far as what we expect from the quarterback position. Um, I think Louisville is interesting. Louisville is interesting because, of course, Scott Satterfield recruited uh, Pierce Clarkston. I'm in Louisville. Pierce Clarkston bought a whole bunch of billboards around this city um, kind of last year touting his arrival to the community, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they brought in a bunch of players uh, when when – Brom was hired when Jeff Brom was hired and I don't know I, I I think that we're going to end up seeing Pierce Clarkston transfer he wasn't recruited by Jeff Brom but um do you have expectations for the guys that they brought in they bring in Jack Plummer from what um uh, Cal by way of, or Purdue Cal. by way of Cal or whatever yeah there we go yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's had a couple different stop, stops the past couple of years I, I think Plummer's competent and he's been in this offense before the last time he was at Purdue completed almost 69% of his passes. Now, a lot of the underlying numbers were really, really poor. The and they were poor last year too. his yards per attempt. Um, you talk about any sort of big time throw or, or, you know, aggressiveness, pushing the ball downfield. He really doesn't do any of that. He's not, he's really not a sexy quarterback at all, but I think he can make the offense work until Brom can kind of groom a more talented player to take that job, whether that's Pierce Clarkson or whether it's Brady Allen, who he recruited at Purdue, a four-star a couple years ago, and is now bringing him over. I think it ends up being Allen, but those guys are both pretty talented and probably more talented than Plummer after this year. What what chances would you give uh, to Pierce Clarkson actually transferring away from Louisville? I don't know. He's a West Coast kid. Um, right. Like, There's really no draw to Louisville outside of – presumably the NIL package, um, quite frankly. So I, I'm not entirely sure. I think if he loses that job, it's more likely than not that he would leave because Allen still has like three or four years if he wants it. But he, he's redshirted a year, and I think this is his second year. So, I mean, he, he has some some years left if he wants it. So, I, yeah, I, see, I could see Clarkson heading back west to, I, I don't know, a, a, a Cal or Stanford or, or a Fresno or kind of one of those schools if it doesn't really work out for him. Uh, at NC State, you get Robert and I, who leaves Syracuse after one year, and now he's the offensive coordinator at NC State. He reunites with Brennan Armstrong. Brennan Armstrong had his best year of his career in, what, 2021 with yep. Robert and I as the offensive coordinator. I think I'm really excited for either Brennan Armstrong, if I'm rostering him for a CFF perspective, or if I'm holding on to MJ Morris, who we kind of thought – had a chance to start um, there at NC State, but given Anai's connection with Brendan Armstrong, it just wasn't to be. But I'm excited about uh, both of these players down, both of these players' um, uh, ability in the passing game, specifically MJ Morris's downfield passing ability. I have no idea who they're going to throw to if it's this Bradley Rosner from who transfers from what is it, Old Dominion or Rice? Rice transfers from Rice. Uh, 
But anyway, um, you were one of the first people I heard talk about Brennan Armstrong. We saw Robert and I have success with Garrett Schrader last year at Syracuse. Do you expect him to kind of relight the fire that we saw from Brennan Armstrong in 2021? I think I do, and I wish I had a better read on what the wide receiver situation was there because in you know Devy or C2C leagues right now, Armstrong's really attractive, and you know he's probably going to throw. I mean, if you look, the last time he was with an eye, he threw for 4,500 yards. And the two years outside of that, he's been terrible, quite frankly. But that year, he threw for almost 4,500 yards, had four receivers with over 40 40 catches on the year, uh, had one player hit 1,200 yards and another 10 yards short of 1,000. Like, this is a very – this can make wide receivers and quarterbacks look really, really good. We just don't know really what any of the wide receivers look like. But I do expect another big year out of Armstrong. He knows the conference. He knows the coach. Um, I actually think this is a little bit of a bounce back year for NC State overall. Um, I, I don't know how they're going to be defensively. I know they've lost some pieces over the past two years, but I do like Armstrong this year, and I like that offense. Uh, Brent, uh, not Brennan Armstrong, but MJ Morris uh, in limited action last year, completed 60% of his passes, seven touchdowns, and just one interception, including a 20-for-29 performance against Virginia Tech where he threw for three touchdowns and no interceptions. Uh, I think we're – I think if you're listening to us, you probably have heard us talk about MJ Morrison, already have him rostered. Um, I do want to mention briefly, Riley Leonard is at Duke. He's getting some first-round buzz. You're going to draft him for his CFF purposes and, and potential NFL um, uh, draft capital. If you got him last year off the waiver wire, congratulations. You probably have a little more equity in that pick. Um Thomas Castellanos is at Boston College, one of my favorite players from Ware County in Georgia, played with one of Austin's favorite players from last year, Cartavius Norton at Iowa State. They shared a backfield. You haven't seen Thomas Castellanos play. He has all of the Russell Wilson spiraling in the backfield playmaking ability. Uh, was, was with UCF last year, Gus Malzahn's UCF last year. Spent one year there. That's actually the perfect place for somebody like Thomas Castellanos uh, to play. I mean, he could have just waited out John Rice Palmley and then stepped right in and been a real a CFF asset. I think he even had a 60-yard touchdown last year at some point. Um, but I'm, I, I'm still a fan of Thomas Castellanos. He is at Boston College. Um, other transfers, Christian Veyu is at Pitt now. He transfers from Penn State to Pitt, backing up Phil Jerkovic there. And... Um, Here's a name that we haven't talked about a lot on uh, in recent months, but Tyler Van Dyke at Miami with Shannon Dawson, the offensive coordinator. You speak about uh, what what Robert and I did for um, Garrett, both Garrett Schrader and Brendan Armstrong. But you look what Tyler Van Dyke did with Rhett Lashley and Charleston Rambo and Mike Harley at the helm in 2000, again, in 2021 kind of breakout season. Then they have Josh Gaddis there, Tyler Van Dyke, more of a gunslinger throwing in the ball downfield. I don't know. Josh Gaddis has a background that includes uh, Alabama. He's now at with uh, Mike Loxley and at Maryland, but he went to Miami from Michigan. I don't associate Michigan with deep passing or being particularly aggressive passing the ball. And I, I think that that's why one of the reasons why it wasn't a great fit. With Shannon Dawson there, you got Shannon Dawson, you got Colby Young, 
You've got, if he's healthy, Elijah Arroyo in the backfield. Henry Paris Jr. can catch the ball out of the backfield. Speaking of bounce backs, can Tyler Van Dyke uh, bounce back in 2023? I was pretty out on him at cost last year. I just thought that, you know, third round or whatever you had to, to spend on him for a guy that I don't think is, he's not super toolsy. Like he's not, he's not, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have an awful arm and he's not entirely immobile, but I, I wouldn't say he's, he's great in either of those areas. Um, so I, I, I never really thought, you know, there was really first round NFL draft pick potential, but I do think this year he can bounce back a little bit with Shannon Dawson there. Um, I think the big thing for him is just going to be, I don't think the weapons are very good there. I'm not a huge Colby young guy. I'm not like the, the, the running backs. I think it's a very ambiguous backfield. It sounds like, the backfield is so gross right now that Mark Fletcher might be the starter day one. And we don't think Mark Fletcher is a bad player, but he's limited, I, I think is a fair way to put it. Um, they're, they're th- he's, he's kind of a thumper. So, I mean, I, I if Elijah Arroyo doesn't step up there, the tight end room's really barren. I mean, I, I don't know what he's throwing to, which really, really worries me. But I do expect him to perform better, uh, even if maybe statistically it's not an amazing step up from what it was last year. Before we close out this, the just talking about the quarterbacks in this conference, is there a world where it is it is acceptable to have Drake May ranked ahead of Caleb Williams, or is that just asinine? Oh, man, I I don't think it's asinine. I do think Caleb Williams has is not a perfect prospect. I think he go, you know, he bails on on the pocket. He goes off script a little too often. Still, kind of relies on his his natural ability. Um, would like to see him succeed a little more in structure. At some point, you just say the guy's so good outside the structure that it really doesn't matter. He can kind of do whatever he wants. But I don't think he's perfect. And so I do think there is the door is open for Drake May. I will say Drake May is going to have a much tougher time if he doesn't have Devontae Walker this year. <laughs> he's going to be throwing to a bunch of undersized receivers and maybe Andre Green Jr. who I know you like him, but it doesn't sound like he's made a huge, huge steps this year. The staff hasn't been like hyping him up or anything. Pretty raw, big uh, athletic boundary guy. So it, I, I think it's going to be tough for May to pass him unless it, like if, if he balls out with no Devontae Walker, then maybe there's an argument. But I, I don't think you can put May above Williams, even though I will say I do not think Williams is a perfect prospect by any stretch. I still think Trevor Lawrence was a better prospect than Caleb Williams is. Uh, Jordan Travis, better college football player than NFL draft prospect, correct? I, I think so, although I did see uh, an account, uh, CFB Numbers, um, uh, talking today that he um, they like to see uh, yards per attempt above nine for a quarterback. That usually signals there's a chance for NFL success, and Travis is above it by a, a fair margin. So I do think that's an interesting point. Uh, you know, kind of an aggressive passer, but I, I don't know that the accuracy is consistently there and it could be a mechanical issue. I haven't sat down and really watched Jordan Travis, but I do find him to, to miss passes. He shouldn't and to kind of be off on ball placement sometimes. So yeah, I think uh late day two kind of guy seems like more of his, his range. Well, he'll be able to make a statement early on September 3rd, they take on LSU uh, in that series in chapter two of that series uh, last year. Florida State winning by what a field goal. Field goal. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that there's a lot of CFF value at the running back position in this conference from 
Will Shipley, Trey Benson, uh, of course, LaQuint Allen subbing in for coming in for uh, Sean Tucker from last year at at Syracuse. But even your boy Rodney Hammond at Pitt, I think that that's a natural place for me to start. Rodney Hammond had a few flashes last year. Do you have the expectations that he'll be? I mean, he's being drafted really highly in supplemental drafts if he's out there. Are those uh, are the expectations for him warranted? I'm I'm pumping the brakes a little bit because I don't think he is a as explosive as Israel Bonaconda. It would be hard to be with the reported forty time that that he ran this offseason. Um, and he is not very good. He's good between the twenties, but he's not really great in the red zone or if you're backed up on your goal line. There were a, there have been a lot of series over the past couple of years where Izzy gets him down to the, the twelve. They give the ball to Hammond two straight carries, and now it's third and eleven. He he just does not succeed often in that role, in my opinion. So I want to see if he can do that a little more. And then only fourteen receptions over the past couple of years. Now this is an offense that we is conservative generally, but doesn't really dump off to the running backs that much. So I don't know how much is that of that is a function of of him or the offense. But I do I, the ceiling is not there. But I do think he can be a consistent flex or kind of bye week sub kind of guy. I don't think he's an NFL, really an NFL back. Um, he, he's kind of undersized. I don't think he's an amazing athlete, but he is an effective running back. So I don't think Pitt's rush offense will be significantly worse this year. And Keaton Slovis held them back so much that I expect that offense to take a step forward regardless. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I, I'm trying to look at this conference and see what I actually hate. Room, the, I hate the running backs in this conference for what it's worth. You said there's a I, lot of no. CFF value. I think there's like four backs I like. Well, I was trying to think of what gets me excited about this conference at the running back position. And it's no, I like running backs that fit a certain body type. And there are two in this conference that stand out. One is Phil Moffa. The other is my boy, Marion Hampton, who kind of broke out against FCS teams last season and then kind of faded down the stretch with um, with fumble issues. I mean, let's talk about both of them. Phil Maffa is a good north-south running back with a more opened-up offense. He might have more opportunity for – he in a reserve role, he's been productive since he was a freshman. I mean, he's backing up Will Shipley, this five-star guy who's been compared to Christian McCaffrey or whoever has all this athleticism. But, you know, it's Maffa who's the six-foot-one, 220-pound-plus guy who can do some of the dirty work. I – you can treat Phil Moffa like a throw-in in a trade and get somebody who's going to get drafted on day th- on early day three, late day two, and, and it will be an NFL team's, you know, first and second down running back. I have no idea if he can catch the ball or if he can be competent in that game, but just because he uh, isn't now, now doesn't mean that he can't be used that way next season. In Omarion Hampton, another thick, 225 pound running back. I think he was the player, the Gatorade player of the year for the state of North Carolina, if I remember correctly. Comes out with uh, uh, against the Rattlers, Florida AM, has a great game, has 100 yards, fades down the stretch. I still think that there is the potential here because a, a, a player of that size and speed, they can just generate a lot of force when they can, when they run, uh, be a, a natural tackle shredder. I don't know that I saw that necessarily last year, but when you're built a certain way, you can develop that. I still have a lot of hope for Amari and Hampton, but there's a lot of back. 
Mac Brown seems to love British Brooks. Like they announced that British Brooks was playing in the game in the spring game, and he got a standing ovation because you know he wasn't uh, he had, he I think he missed all of last all of last season. Um, so they love British Brooks there. George Petaway is still there, even though I don't think that he practiced during the spring. I could be wrong about that. I know he was dealing with an injury. Caleb Hood's there. There are a lot of guys in this backfield. I still like Amarion Hampton. Austin, I mean, do you, I, I feel like you my got him for the Debbie guy. So you you like him too? They, they, they wanted to put him as like the 80th ranked running back in college or something. I don't even like Amarion Hampton. I found that offensive. So I, I did have to my guy him up. I do think there, there are concerns about how much juice he has. If you look at his game logs for last year, and I think he did suffer some sort of minor injury, which I think probably held him back a little bit. He got double-digit carries in four games. That 14 for 101 against Florida A&M that you mentioned, he went 16 for 110 against Georgia State. And then he also went 10 for 28 against Notre Dame and 15 for 36 against Miami. I So, you know, good against some really the, the worst defenses, essentially, that they played last year, and then really, really bad against basically everybody else. I am curious if, how much how good of a receiver he is like you said for Mafa we, we don't know I, I don't think he's special there um I really I think at best he is a platoon guy moving forward and then a late NFL guy who can maybe platoon in the NFL I don't think he's worthless which is what our Debbie team told me through the process so there is that he has two more years to develop this year next year and he wants a third year to develop i mean i i just like that type of player i've gravitated uh towards that type of player let me look elsewhere in this conference um, i think jawar jordan's the cff sleeper for what it's worth really at louisville jawar jordan at louisville two years he's a senior but he has two years of eligibility remaining why do you think he's a potential sleeper i think he's a pretty good pass catcher I think he's the very obvious, clear bell cow there. He's going to get the majority of the touches. And we actually have seen Braum running backs be fairly effective. Devin Mockaby was pretty good last year once they kind of decided he was their guy and they let him go. And I think Jordan is probably more talented than Mockaby overall. So he's a little undersized. So he's not like an NFL back really but i do think that he could be a very sneaky cff guy i've drafted him a lot late in c2c supplementals this year i would rather have our jordan at cost than the quint allen at cost for what it's worth very interesting very interesting um you should get a subscription to campus to canton at cost uh austin nace campus to canton.com if you need depth charts statistical projections rankings I've lost track of everything that you, we provide uh, at campus2can.com, including athleticism comparison tools. There is so much information that you can use to do your own research, or if you want our rankings, you can have that too. There is so much available, including the new uh, C2C winning edge package with the statistical projections, depth charts, projected spreads, team profiles, et cetera, et cetera. You, if you want everything, uh, that Campus Canton has to offer the all 22 package is what you need to get into. We're trying to grow this format, college fantasy overall, and we are trying to 
uh, produce quality content, not just opinion, but also data. And we have both for you available at campus2can.com. Go ahead and check out the website if you haven't already. We are also moving towards the beginning of the season. You're going to want to spend your Saturdays with us all day, including week zero. We've got the tailgate waking you up in the morning, uh, college fantasy tonight in the evening, and then even during the afternoon, after that first set of games, we generally will uh, be talking in our Discord about every and reacting to everything that we saw. If you aren't a member of campus2can.com, you want to become a member so you can get in the Discord and just hang out with us. And just hang out with us uh, on Saturdays this coming season. It's going to be a fun time. All right, you didn't like the running back position, Austin. Yeah, I, I feel like we have to talk about Trey Benson. Because we skipped Jordan Travis, too, and Florida State fans are going to hate that we've skipped probably their two best players. I feel like we have to at least say something. Let's be he, honest. Where do you we, think he gets dropped in the NFL? I mean, Green. I think he's a day, a late day two or early day three. I don't think he's guaranteed for, for day two. I mean, the thing about Mike Norvell's running backs – is which ones have had like success? Kenny Gainwell, Antonio Gibson, Daryl Henderson. I and I don't know that he's necessarily as athletic as any of those guys. Maybe he, he was fast in high school, but he had some big knee injuries. So yeah, I am interested to see what he runs. We talked about this in the Discord a couple of weeks ago. I think he's closer to a high four four, low four five guy. I, some of our group wanted to think that he's maybe like low, like four, three, nine. I don't think he gets there. Not if he stays his current size, which I think he's like two twenty ish. I just, okay. I'll say that. I don't know that I've watched enough Trey Benson to have like an intimate understanding of whether or not he's an elite tackle breaker, whether he runs to his size, whether he has lateral agility, you know, whether he not, not he's a great passer, six, one, two, twenty one. I feel like when I've watched Trey Benson, I haven't seen him like run over defenders or, um, you know, be particularly exceptional in any particular area other than being productive, which is great. Um, 990 yards last year, 6.4 per attempt. He had 13 receptions. I mean, he's going to be the centerpiece of the offense of an of an offense that has national championship expectations or at least college football playoff expectations. He plays well, and Mike Norvell has produced good running good running back production over the years. I, I could see him being locked into day two, but if he fell around four, that would not surprise me. I have seen uh, so Javante Williams comps, the former UNC, now with the Denver Broncos. I think stylistically that's not far off. I think the difference is, even though Benson actually had, according to PFF, like some of the best missed tackle force numbers on a on a per snap basis, I think it's the case, kind of like Javante Williams, but to a worse degree, where it's a vision issue. He's making he's breaking tackles because he's not seeing that backside lane open up, or he's not really kind of eliminating that angle on the linebacker or the the safety by kind of freezing them in the in that first you know the a gap so i i'm very very skeptical that he is a, a, a one for one like for like with javante but i do think like a late third round guy that feels like a good spot for him and i think he can go in and be an effective 
NFL running back for a while. And I think, again, as with any of these running backs outside of a handful, if something were to happen, could he run a backfield for several weeks? Yeah, I think he could. I think he's more than capable of doing that. I'm just not sure that he's you're going to pay him a bunch of money to do that after that first contract. He's kind of a replaceable guy. Would you rather have um, Would you rather have Trey Benson or Aaron Jones? Benson, just because I don't know how many years Jones has left. Yeah, see, I, I think I would take Aaron Jones. I, I think I would take Aaron Jones if I was going to make that trade because I just I'm not exactly sure what Trey Benson's NFL potential is, and I think that I'm going to get two years from Aaron Jones. I think to and Aaron and I know that Aaron Jones can catch the ball. So okay, uh, I don't know why my voice went that that high. Um, and my headphones just went out. So, um, Jordan flu game over here from Felix. No headphones. <laughs> Look, we are struggling over here. Down two people. Mike looking in the background, offering no assistance whatsoever. Uh, it's just me and Austin holding it down. Um, let's move to the wide receiver position here. You said you didn't like the running back position. I feel like got There's a little more sex appeal with the with the wide receivers in the ACC. I agree. I, I I like several of these guys a lot. I mean, I think they're kind of concentrated on Clemson, Florida State, and Louisville, but I, I, I think every team has, or most teams have at least a guy that is interesting, which can't say for a lot of conferences. A lot, I think this is probably the second best quarterback conference, too, for what it's worth after the Pac-12 this year. Um, it's, it's pretty deep. Jordan Travis, Riley Leonard, Drake May. I mean, I, in terms of college quarterbacks, I think it's a pretty deep conference overall. I was going to ask you this, and I didn't end up asking you, but how many first-round quarterbacks are playing in the ACC? Over, under, one and a half. Man, I'm going to take – It's really a question about Drake May and, and K. I I think it's a Klubnik question. Yeah. I think it's a Klubnik question. If you think Klubnik's a fr- – Man, I need to see a handful of games out of Klubnik this year before I could bet that, and obviously, you know, that kind of defeats the purpose of the exercise. I'll say over – I think the the lid is off undersized quarterbacks going relatively early if they're good now. Uh, and I think this the new OC, as we talked about, is going to make him look better. I'm not sure if he's really a long-term guy. We might be looking at a, a Mac Jones kind of NFL quarterback. Not a bad player, but is he elevating an offense? I don't know. You mentioned that you liked multiple wide receiver rooms in this conference, and you mentioned Louisville. You like more than just Jamari Thrash there, Kevin Coleman, who transfers from Jackson State, Amari Huggins-Bruce was already there. I mean, you like the room in general? Yeah, I, I like Coleman, too, uh, overall. He was uh, – I have to go back and look. I, I, I've talked about this uh, with, I think, Mike uh, actually uh, several times before. I had him top 15 in the class. I took him off my board because he was going to Jackson State. You couldn't take him in most C2Cs, so I, I wasn't drafting him last year. But I, it wouldn't shock me if he – has a 60 catch season this year too. Um, I, they're going to sling it around a lot. I think Thrash is good. Thrash will lead them, but Coleman's a good player. And I do think Chris Bell is fine. I don't think he starts this year, but he's got a ton of potential. And he's the one that you like because he was giving Travis Hunter the business in, in high school. Is, is he the one that was giving him fits? That is why I think that that is why either big wide receiver guy or Mike turned me on to him. 
and he looked like a load to him. I mean, he's a, he's a six foot two, two hundred and ten pound guy. I have no idea how he's a three star. He's your he archetype, baby. I, I'm an Antonio Williams kind of guy, and you're a Chris Bell kind of guy. That's just the types we go for. Well, that's because you got to understand that my favorite players growing up were Herman Moore and Randy Moss. So you're talking about two guys who are six foot four wide receivers who got jump balls. The NFL just isn't played like that anymore. And for some reason I can't accept it. You shouldn't have to accept it, Felix. Let's see if, if Quentin Johnston can break out this year then and and uh and what's his name from the Packers, Christian Watson. Maybe maybe they'll bring it back. Um I want to talk a little bit about North Carolina since the, since there is the potential that Don Devontae Walker will be gone. You've been a longtime fan of Kobe Pacer. They bring in Nate McCollum. You mentioned Andre, Andre Green Jr. Uh, before. I, I don't know that I have necessarily a lot of hope there. Um, but you have – so I thought bringing Nate McCollum over was interesting because he presents the same type of skill set as Kobe Pacer, in my opinion. Now, he offers more of that hybrid running back wide receiver ability, but he's still like a slot receiver if you're going to put him on the field. Um, if Devontae Walker is not going to play, could we see really productive seasons from both Nate McCollum, who I think can be used as a gadget guy, and Kobe Pesor, who has played well in, in substituting for Josh Downs? Yeah, I think the real difference between them is that McCollum, I think, is more of the deep. Like, if you could combine them into one player, then you would have what Josh Downs was for them last year, where Josh Downs was a legitimate red zone threat for them because of how quickly he can get open in the short stuff. You could almost use him. They didn't really use him this way, but you could almost use him as an extension of the run game if you really, really needed to get it out quick, hit him in space and kind of let him beat a guy and get to work. Or he could beat you deep, and he could win. He won deep quite a bit. He's strong at the catch point downfield. I think McCollum is kind of the deeper guy if I want to send somebody downfield. And I think Pesor is kind of the guy that I want to work in the short and intermediate game. I wish that they were one player. They're not. They're two players. So I am interested to see if they can get them both on the field at the same time. It sounds like they might not have a choice. They might have to figure something out. And I think if I had to guess, even though McCollum played 92% of the time in the slot last year at Georgia Tech, he's probably the more well-suited one to go out wide just because of the athletic ability, but I don't think he's great there. And then you, yeah, then you kind of mix in an Andre Green or, or somebody else and see if they can make it work. But um, it's it's really not a very good situation if if there's no uh, uh, Devontae Walker because his skill set really brings this room together. He's going to command safety top over the or safety help over the top. That's going to open up things for pace soar underneath. And then obviously if McCollum, you've got McCollum opposite Walker, it's really hard to play that many guys deep and still be effective at stopping a guy like pace or whoever the tight ends are underneath. So I, I, I Walker would be a huge loss. And I think if Walker doesn't play, I probably am not start planning on starting any of those guys in a campus to Canton league on a week to week basis until I see them do it. Uh, North Carolina also has Bryson Nesbitt. Who's, a lot of people are high on that tight end, but I actually like, I don't, I don't know what Morales's first name is, but he's Kamari? a, is it Kamari Morales? Um, but he is a big target who's been around for a very long time. I think he's a six year player, um, but I actually like both of the tight ends there. So we should mention that. So anyway. it, it should be mentioned also that Bryson Nesbitt's apparently been running with the threes. So just as a heads up, the their Chip Lindsay when we when 
This is why Nate Marquise hates Lindsay because he is not creative whatsoever. He just wants to put a big tight end out there that can kind of block. And Nesbitt cannot do that at all. He is very much a space player. So I, I for what it's worth, they have not been rolling Nesbitt out there with the ones or really even the twos, which is kind of mind-blowing to me because I think he's one of the better kind of move tight ends in college football right now. Well, that's a good no, uh, nugget there. Um, let's see. Where else should we go in this conference? NC State, they get Brasley Rosner from Rice. Uh, I would pay attention to Juice Vereen and K- Kevin Casey Concepcion, both freshmen who the program seems to be high on. I don't know that they're necessarily rosterable this year, but I like Vereen specifically because he is a wide receiver with a tight end designation, and those types of guys are always uh, cheat codes. Like another player in this conference, Aronde Gatson, who is the exhibit A for being a wide receiver uh, with a tight end designation. Um, I, I know I'm, I'm throwing Why do this you at- hate Florida State? What, because I just passed on They them? probably have the second most interesting receiving room in this conference. I know you're kind of trying to pick around the, the periphery here, but I mean, there's how many how many of their receiving receivers right now do you think are NFL players? How many of Florida State's receivers do uh-huh. I think are NFL players? Well, I don't think Hakeem Williams is one. Okay. I think that both Coleman and Will. So this is the thing. When Johnny Wilson was at Arizona State and you liked Elijah Badger, I'm like, well, they've got this other guy who looks like he could play tight end. He's playing wide receiver, but he moves well for a tight end. Now, he ended up staying at wide receiver. But I feel like there was one point in which I was mocked and ridiculed for saying that Johnny Wilson could be a thing. Now, I don't know that he has a super high NFL ceiling that everybody is projecting, but that type of size is worth something in college football, especially if you're, you know, mildly athletic. So to answer the question, I think two – some in some in some way Johnny Wilson's going to be an NFL player and Keon Coleman is a reportedly tearing up camp has the basketball background he's a he might be the wide receiver one this year yeah I think I, I was actually talking to Javon the other day um and he mentioned the name Colin Johnson as a comp for Johnny Wilson and I thought that was really interesting Colin Johnson the former Texas kind of hybrid wide receiver who wasn't really physical enough to be a tight end not not very, as successful at the catch point um he was kind of a soft 66 230 guy which is you know it's the, the as we talk about the the opposite with uh what's his name tylen wallace like it's the exact opposite kind of of guy um and i think johnny wilson has the same exact problem he's just not he, he wins deep yeah for a six seven guy 235 or whatever he scoots downfield but he he is he is charming soft man. I I don't see a, a shift to tight end for him successfully. I I am really not a fan. And I I have been lower throughout Keon Coleman's entire career on him, but I am willing to buy in with him at Florida State because I he he doesn't run routes at all right now. But I do think with how good their wide receiver room is, he's going to have to learn. And Johnny Wilson's already taken the role of guy who can't run routes and just runs deep. So this is the interesting test for Keon Coleman. Can he develop those kind of skills? Because he's a he's a basketball guy, but 6'4", 200, above the rim. If you can't run routes, you're odd and tate. I mean, it doesn't get you very far in the NFL. Um, so I, I think this is a Auden good Tate test. is a good comp for Johnny Wilson also. 
Tate's a little um, skinnier. That's why I don't use that one for him. But yeah, I mean, a, another big guy. I think I actually think Auden Tate is more a Ronda Gadsden. Whereas uh, Gadsden is just kind of this guy that doesn't really move that well for that size. So I, I don't know what he becomes. Um, Let's see. Where is there any wide receiver pass catcher outside of Aronde Gadsden at Syracuse that you are rostering? I mean, Syracuse, they had a tr- Tristan Jackson season where Tristan Jackson, you know, kind of popped. Is there a wide receiver there that you are? There's not a wide receiver that I'm I'm rostering. So I'm actually asking, like, is there a name here that I should care about that I have just not paid attention to? It's going to be 60% target share between Gadsden and LaQuinn Allen, man. It's 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 going to be really, really consolidated. I, I actually think that offense is going to – I know – so Robert and I was their offense coordinator last year. He was there for a year. He's now gone, as we discussed earlier, to NC State. His protege stayed behind, and he's now the new offensive coordinator there. How often does that actually really work out, like the the, the quote-unquote trainee become, you know, becomes the master – I don't think that often. I, I think this offense takes a pretty big step back this year. You guys are always talking about how Western Kentucky is going to keep rolling, even though they've lost their offensive coordinator the last because three years. that that is a that is a, a Helton issue. It's not an like it doesn't matter who the offensive coordinator is there. Helton puts the playbook on their on their desk, says you know add add five plays you want, and this is what we're going to do this year. Whereas at Syracuse, that is not the case. It is offensive coordinator driven in terms of what the scheme is going to be there. Uh, with no Donovan Green at Wake Forest, we expect Jamal Banks to get, I guess we would get a heavier uh, market share for them. Taylor Morin is a player who's just always been productive, who just gets disrespected. I, I don't know who's going to step in uh, as the third wide receiver, but according to the C2C winning edge uh, depth charts, Keyshawn Williams is the next man up there. I, you, I'm assuming that you've drafted Banks and maybe more in, in a in a few places. I have Banks. I I don't touch Morin. He's a team captain. Like he's a guy that's going to be on the field, but he feels like the kind of guy based on what this offense has done, which this offense does want to push the ball downfield as much as humanly possible. That's not really his skill set at all. So I don't think even with the loss of Donovan Green that it that target share really shifts to him. I think it either shifts to Keyshawn Williams or to Wesley Grimes. And then there's a third guy actually kind of vying for that boundary position as well. And I think that's where more of it goes than a guy like Taylor Morin, who is very low ceiling kind of guy. I want to make sure everyone is just at least has Joseph Griffin Jr. on their watch list. Joseph Griffin Jr., a true sophomore at Boston College, kind of flashed late in the season last year, I think including one game against Duke. He might have had two touchdown passes. All kind of back shoulder fade type stuff. But still, it is a kid getting on the field and producing. I think that that's stuff that we should pay attention to no matter who it is. At one point, that player was Zay Flowers, his teammate, uh, producing as a freshman and just kind of showing flashes. So Joseph Griffin Jr. is a player that – if you don't roster him, which is fine, you don't want to roster him, at least put him on your watch list. I want to caution, and he's super cheap. So it's not like you're you're spending a, a really, you know, prime capital to go get Joseph Griffin. But if you want to compare him to a guy like Zay Flowers, for instance, who was at Boston College, uh, as a true freshman there, Zay uh, was incredibly dynamic with the ball in his hands, averaged almost seven yards per reception. 
had almost two yards per route run and an eight out of 13. Griffin had uh, this year, uh, he, uh, where did it go here? He had, he averaged 1.7 yards after the catch per reception, basically a, a flat, even yard on a yard per route run. Um, and he did have a good dot, so he was working downfield. But the, the moral of the story is I think the underlying stuff with him is not particularly good. So I do caution a little bit. But again, he's so cheap that it might not really matter uh, in the long run. It's like you're, you're spending a lot for him. Okay, is that how you wanted to end the show is bursting my balloon on Joseph Griffin Jr.? I, I'm not anti-Joseph Griffin. I don't find myself drafting him a lot just because I think I'm – I, I'm looking for a little more yak, like a little more. Like I think you got to be a little more dynamic than that with the ball in your hands. Even if he's filling the same role as like Roma Dunze or Marvin Harrison Jr., those guys average like four and a half to five yards after the catch per reception. So they're still doing a little bit. Like it doesn't sound like Griffin. Maybe I mean maybe they're not asking him to, but they're not really asking Marvin Harrison to do that either. And he he still does something. So I think it's just worth mentioning. All right. Um, any, I think that that's it. I think that's it. Um, down to two, giving you the ACC preview. Leave us a five-star rate and review and let us know if you like the different shows doing their own versions of conference previews because it's it's the off-season. We're going to get a lot of information here coming out like a fire hydrant, but got to create content uh during the off season so let us know at campus to canton on twitter at campus to canton at gmail i don't think when's the last time someone's actually sent an email about something like this i don't know but not 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 often not often okay all right um fighting hurt here tonight austin and myself and um that's going to be our show for tonight apologies to kirk herb street ran out of time we'll get him rescheduled soon for Austin Nace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck.